your Locked on the New York Rangers, your daily podcast on the New York Rangers. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, Blue Shirts fans, to episode number 647 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I'm your host, John Chick. Just want to thank you guys, as always, for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. That song you're hearing right now is, of course, Leave the Lights On from our good friends in Pacifier. You can check those guys out anywhere you get your music. And today, going to do what I believe will probably be a bit of a polarizing episode. We are going to discuss the concept of Jacob Truba eventually being traded by the New York Rangers. And obviously, he has a full no-move clause, so it's not something that appeared to be possible uh, coming into this offseason, and obviously nothing happened there. Uh, But... You know, when I look at Cap Friendly and I look at the Ranger roster and the different salaries that all these players are making, uh, his does stand out a little bit. I'm going to discuss why in just a second here. Uh, He does have the full no-move, but it becomes a limited no-move in two years. And I'm just kind of openly pondering in today's episode, will Jacob Truba sooner or later eventually be traded by the New York Rangers uh, for the most important reason of potentially opening up some cap space. We're going to discuss that. We will also uh, continue our off-season series of Draft Spotlight, where we basically just spend some time highlighting every single member of the Rangers draft class of 2022. And we're going to continue that series today with Bryce McConnell-Barker, whom the Rangers selected in the third round of this past year's draft. Now, like I said, we're going to start with Jacob Truba. That's going to be kind of the meat and potatoes for today's episode. Will Truba eventually be traded by the Rangers and once again, mostly as a way to clear some cap space? And in a word, yes, I do eventually think that this probably will happen. Before we get too far ahead of ourselves, though, once again, let's just kind of recap where we're at with Jacob Truba, how he came to the Rangers, all that good stuff. He was acquired in a trade with the Winnipeg Jets. This sent uh, Neil Pionk as well as a first round draft pick to Winnipeg in exchange for Jacob Truba. As soon as the Rangers had Truba, they came to an agreement on an extension, a seven-year, $56 million contract, which carries an annual cap hit of $8 million. Jacob Truba going into this season, it will be his fourth season of the seven-year contract. And once again, and very importantly, Jacob Truba does indeed have a full no-move clause heading into this upcoming season and heading into next season as well. The reason I bring up this concept as far as uh, trading Jacob Truba, I mean, there's a couple of reasons, but... Mainly because the Rangers, as we discussed in here, are really tight up against the salary cap. They have a lot of promising young players that eventually are going to have to get pretty significant raises, and that's not going to be easy to do. I would say uh, sooner or later, maybe after this upcoming season, we're going to get into the territory where, you know, the Rangers, they really have some very difficult decisions to make and might end up having to trade certain players just to open up some cap space. And Jacob Truba, like I was talking about, I think could be a prime example or a prime candidate to be traded in such a situation. But again, he does have the full no move clause. And you know, you look at the Rangers, uh, you know, their their current roster and the money that every single player is making. I think when you look up and down it, you see uh, a good amount of relative bargains. You know, you could make the case that just about every single player on this Ranger team is worth either what they're currently being paid or in some cases they might be worth more than what they're currently being paid. I mean, you look at Igor Shesterkin, he's at $5.66 million per season. That is a complete steal. I believe he's like the 12th highest paid goalie in hockey and he just won the Vesna. 
Uh, I would say Ryan Lindgren, you know, he's a great example too. $3 million a season. That is a complete steal for Ryan Lindgren. Uh, you know, Keandre Miller and Braden Schneider, it's a little bit different because they're both on their entry-level contracts, but they're both steals at 925 k apiece. Uh, Chris Kreider, $6.5 million for 52 goals. That looks like a steal to me. Uh, you definitely have to like that contract. Uh, Vincent Trocek, you know, I think that remains to be seen, but I don't see $5.6 million as a gross overpayment for Vincent Trocek. I know some of you will definitely disagree with me. That's perfectly fine. We'll see how everything uh, plays out with Vincent Trocek. I know there's going to be some people who will throw out Ryan Reeves at $1.75 million, maybe even Barkley Goodrow at $3.64 million as potential overpays by the Rangers. But if those two players, if either one of them is overpaid, they're not flagrantly overpaid. And honestly, I wouldn't even call either one of them uh, overpaid at all. Uh, I know there's some people that are still mad at Artemi Panarin for uh, his performance in the playoffs, but uh, you know what? He's still, to me, one of the best 10 skaters in hockey fairly easily. $11.64 million a season is obviously a ton of money, but to me, it's the going rate for a superstar player. If you want a true bona fide star on your team, that's pretty much what you're going to have to pay them. And let us never forget that Artemi Panarin took less money to come play for the Rangers than he could have gotten from the Islanders. So uh, I'm not even going to say Panarin is overpaid. But, you know, without going through the entire roster here and spending the entire episode on that, I do think $8 million a year for Jacob Truba might be a little bit too much. And the Rangers, and specifically Jeff Gorton, they not only gave him $8 million a year when they signed him to that extension, but they also included a full no-move clause for seasons two through five. Uh, the Rangers, you know, they give out no-move clauses like it's Halloween and they're giving out candy. And I know, you know, that's all part of these negotiations and some of these players, they will prioritize a no-move clause over just a little bit more money. And again, the salary cap is very tight. You have to manage it very carefully. So I get all that. The no-moves, the no-move clauses rather, are a way to save a little bit of money. But were the Raiders really in a spot where they needed to give Jacob Truba $8 million and the full no-move clause? I don't know. I mean, they probably figured they would never look to trade Jacob Truba, and I'm going to explain why in just a little bit here. Or if they did trade Jacob Truba, they would do it in the last two years of his contract when he has a limited no-move clause. More on that in a second as well. But yeah, you know, once again, as I look up and down this roster, who's the one guy that's probably getting just a little bit more money than he should be? I would say it's Jacob Truba. I think he stands out a little bit more than anyone else. Now, I also get the feeling this is going to be a very, very polarizing episode. I alluded to that just a second ago. Jacob Truba, I think now that Ryan Strom is gone, you could say that Jacob Truba, probably the most polarizing player on this New York Ranger roster. Some players, you know, love his grit and his old school mentality. The fact that, you know, he, he dishes out hits and big physical player, good leader, all that good stuff. And then there's people that think that he just does not play like an $8 million defenseman, at least not on a consistent basis. Some people were really unhappy with the way he played in the playoffs, uh, specifically the Tampa series, and even more specifically, game three of the Tampa series, when he took basically three straight penalties, allowed Tampa to get back into that game and uh, basically take over the series. And then, of course, in game six, you know, he gets burned right after the Rangers tied the game Truba gets burned by Steven Stamkos. Stamkos goes in alone and scores and makes it 2-1 to one Tampa. So a lot of people were unhappy with Jacob Truba for that reason as well. He is a polarizing player. As far as I'm concerned, I'm not throwing out the idea of a Jacob Truba trade because I think that Truba is like just awful and can't play hockey. Far from it. I just mentioned all these things a second ago. But again, I, I think he's a rock-solid, tone-setting defenseman. Has he always been someone who's been worth $8 million a year? I would also have to say no to that. 
Uh, and this is coming from someone who has been more of a Truba supporter than I think most Ranger fans have been. I definitely appreciate that old school style. You know, there's a game earlier this year in the regular season. He had a big game. You know, I can't remember even who they were playing or what his final stat line was, but he was hitting people all night. I think he had a goal in this game. And then at the end of the uh, the game, the Rangers had it well in hand. They were going to win. And somebody basically, you know, sucker punched Truba. They still had their glove on, but they sucker punched him. And Truba at that point, you know, hey, I'm throwing my gloves down and we're going. He threw his gloves down to the ice, started, you know, dishing out punches and had to be separated and, you know, pulled away by the officials. And I remember I did the episode uh, after that game and I came on here and I was like, how do Ranger fans not like this guy? You know, he, he just had a whale of a game. And again, brings that old school, hard-nosed, style of play that Ranger fans seem to love, and yet some of those same Ranger fans do not like Jacob Truba. They can't stand him. They don't want him on this team. It's not that I can't stand him. It's not that I think he's a bad defenseman or he can't play hockey. It's just that I'm looking at this from a very practical standpoint. Okay, what's a way, a good way, that the Rangers could free up some money and not have it absolutely kill them? And, you know, you look at the no-move clauses up and down this roster, it's hard to come up with pretty much anybody. But I think Jacob Truba... Uh, in two years, is probably going to fit the bill for that. I even wonder sometimes if the Rangers actually, you know, if the no-move clause didn't exist right now, if it wasn't still uh, in effect for Jacob Truba, if the Rangers might have actually considered trading him as soon as this current offseason that we're going to, you know, heading into free agency, heading into the draft, whatever it might be. I mean, they obviously wouldn't do it now because it wouldn't really benefit them. You know, it would benefit them more heading into free agency. Uh, but nevertheless, I think it's an interesting question. And now that I've kind of set the uh, the framework here and kind of stated uh, the positives and negatives for Jacob Truba. We're going to discuss if the Rangers would have indeed traded Jacob Truba this offseason had it been an opportunity for them and had that no-move clause not existed. And we will also talk about, once again, if and when he will be traded by the Rangers at some point in the future and uh, why I think that's more likely than not to happen. That he'll be traded uh, before the end of this seven-year contract occurs. And we'll get to all that good stuff in just a second. But first, I just want to let everybody know, today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by BetOnline.net. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. Find all your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Find reviews and news of every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering information from live in-game betting, scores, and podcasts. They have you covered. Head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening today. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, just want to thank you guys, as always, for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. And I'm going to continue talking about Jacob Truba and the concept of the Rangers, you know, eventually trading him. And if they would have even maybe done it this offseason, if that had been an option that was on the table for the Rangers. Uh, as a quick aside here, we're going to take a quick detour and uh, also mention that Chris Kreider is somebody else that you could make a case for in two years might be somebody to be traded, whether it's Kreider or Truba, maybe trading one or the other would open up some cap space. I would not trade Chris Kreider. Let me just get that out of the way uh, real quick here. But as far as Chris Kreider is concerned, he also has a full no-move clause until 2024-2025, same as Jacob Truba. Uh, he then has a 15-team no-trade list for the final three seasons of his contract. So Kreider's contract runs one season longer than does Jacob Truba's. And I'll at least acknowledge that if the Rangers are desperate for cap space, then Kreider also could be a candidate to be moved since he once again carries a cap hit of $6.5 million per season. But 
Again, he's coming off a 52-goal season. He's the elder statesman of the Rangers. He's a leader in the locker room. I know Truba's a leader too, but Chris Kreider's been there a little bit longer. Um, might even be in line to be the next Ranger captain. That's a different topic for a different episode this offseason. But I still think between uh, Truba and Kreider, Truba would probably be the one that it would make more sense to trade uh, in two years when both of their no-move clauses are gone. And not gone, but they'll both be limited no-move clauses. And at that point, you would uh, be able to choose from about half the league as far as teams that you can negotiate a deal with as it pertains to either Kreider or Truba. And again, Kreider also makes a little bit less money than Jacob Truba. Kreider's at six and a half mil per season. Uh, Truba is at eight mil per season. So uh, an interesting question that I alluded to just a second ago, and I want to propose it to you guys right here, right now. Be curious to see uh, what you guys think, because I think this is going to be a very lively uh, comment section on YouTube. Now, I might say that, and there will be like one comment, but the the comment section has kind of been picking up recently as far as uh, Locked On New York Rangers episodes are concerned, and that's awesome. It's always so good to get some feedback from you guys and kind of get some varying opinions on, you know, whatever we might be talking about on this podcast. But again, Truba, very, very polarizing. I get the feeling a lot of people are definitely going to, you know, have an opinion one way or or the other on this. But again, the question that I propose to everybody listening to this, would the Rangers trade Jacob Truba you know, right now if they could? Or, or more specifically, I guess uh, about a month ago, heading in to free agency, because you would want to do that before free agency starts, and then you have more money to play with. You got more money at your disposal to do whatever you want to do in free agency. And it's tough to say, because you know, the Rangers... They seem to have mostly done the things that they wanted to do this offseason. They traded Alex Georgiev. Uh, they got their guy in Vincent Trocek in free agency. You got to figure a new Capo Caco deal is coming sooner rather than later. So it's not like the Rangers were completely handcuffed this offseason and couldn't do any of the things that they wanted to do. But then again, if they had been able, let's just say hypothetically, to trade Jacob Truba, and they indeed did trade Jacob Truba, it would have opened up once again $8 million in cap space and opened up basically a whole other world of possibilities. For Ranger fans that wanted to trade for Johnny Gaudreau or sign Nazem Kadri or trade for Patrick Kane, uh, all of that would have been at least feasible if they had also been able to trade Jacob Truba and actually, you know, moved him, actually followed through on it and traded Jacob Truba somewhere else. Because again, that's another $8 million in cap space to play with. I know a lot of Ranger fans, oh, get Goudreau, get Kadri. I never saw it. I, I just didn't think it could happen because there just was not enough cap space available. But there would have been enough cap space available uh, if Truba wasn't eating up $8 million. And again, I'm not saying this to bash Jacob Truba. I'm just being very, very practical here. You got a defenseman on this team uh, who's making a ton of money. And that's a position where the Rangers are really strong and could possibly, possibly withstand the loss of Jacob Truba. And uh, it would hurt a little bit, but it might not hurt as bad as, uh, you know, some people might think. And again, we will get to that concept in just a second. But, you know, again, when there's names like Kadri and Goudreau and Kane and Kachuk, you know, all, Ranger fans tossing all those names around, we discussed it on here. But again, never really thought it was possible. But that trade of Jacob Truba would have opened it up as a possibility. Now, it's also possible the Rangers trade Jacob Truba and they're not able to land any of those players anyway because there's a lot of competition for these services of players like Kachuk or Kadri or Goudreau or whoever it might be. But yes, a trade of Jacob Truba would have at least made it possible for the Rangers to land one of these true bona fide superstars this offseason. But this also kind of leads me into what I believe is the biggest reason why the Rangers might like to trade Jacob Truba or might have liked to trade Jacob Truba heading into this offseason if it was something that was actually possible. And it's another reason why I think, you know, once it becomes possible to trade Jacob Truba in two years, that it is pretty likely to happen. And it's a reason that not a lot of people are talking about. It's not because he took some bad penalties against Tampa. It's not because, I mean, it's partly because of his big contract, but that's not even the biggest reason. The biggest reason for me is 
the very simple fact that the Rangers right now are in a far different position than they were when they traded for Jacob Truba three years ago and signed him to that seven-year extension worth $56 million. That happened back in 2019. At the time, the Rangers were pretty much right at the start of the massive teardown rebuild. We all know about it. They were undertaking just a complete overhaul of the entire franchise. They needed someone as sort of the centerpiece of the rebuild as it pertained to their defensemen. Much like Artemi Panarin was the centerpiece as far as the forwards are concerned for the rebuild, Jacob Truba was brought in to be the centerpiece for the defenseman. And in some ways, he was. When he came over to the Rangers, he was only 25 years old. Uh, he was seemingly entering his prime in the NHL. Defensemen like that don't often become available. But, you know, by all accounts, it sounded like he wanted out of Winnipeg. He wasn't going to sign long-term there. The Jets didn't really have a choice. And the Rangers strike that trade uh, with the Jets. The Jets now becoming the Rangers, you know, preferred trade partner, it would seem. But, yeah, you know, when Truba came in, he was only 25 years old. But that was actually kind of veteran status compared to the other Ranger blue liners. And even now, you look at Jacob Truba, he is the oldest uh, Ranger defenseman under contract with this team, and he's still only 28 years old. The next oldest Ranger defenseman is Ryan Lindgren. He won't be 25 until February. And that's all assuming that you do not count Jared Tenorti. And no, we're not going to count Jared Tenorti. But when Truba was signed by the Rangers, once again, he was going to be the top dog. He was going to be the man, the unquestioned leader of the defenseman group, and just the best all-around player, the guy that was going to come in and do it all. Well, you fast forward to this offseason. It's three seasons later. Jacob Truba is about to enter, once again, his fourth season with the New York Rangers. And the dynamic of this Ranger blue line has really, really changed and changed for the better. Let's take a look back at the other Ranger defensemen that were on this roster when the Rangers originally traded for Jacob Truba and signed him to an extension. And then we will take a look at what the defenseman group looks like on current day here. And we'll start once again with the Ranger defensemen that were there in 2019-2020, which was Jacob Truba's first season with the Rangers. Tony D'Angelo. We all know how that turned out. When Truba was signed, uh, D'Angelo had played just two seasons with the Rangers. In that time, he had four goals and 34 assists in 93 games. So this is before the one monster season that he had with the Rangers. And then he followed up that monster season by fighting his own goalie. The whole thing was a mess, and he was basically kicked off the team. So when Truba was signed, I mean, D'Angelo was somebody that the Rangers had high hopes for, but he wasn't there yet. And I think uh, Truba was still leaps and bounds ahead of D'Angelo as far as the Rangers were concerned. Uh, Adam Fox was a member of the New York Rangers when Trubo was acquired, but he had yet to make his NHL debut. I think certainly the Rangers were high on Fox, but I don't know that anybody could have guessed uh, that this dude was going to win the Norris Trophy at the age of 23, just his second season in the league. So the Rangers didn't know what they had when it came to Adam Fox. Uh, Brady Shea was here, and to me, Brady Shea, I'm sorry, I don't have any other way to say this. I always thought he was overrated and overpaid by the New York Rangers, and he ended up getting traded at the deadline during Truba's first season with the team. So clearly the Rangers had some reservations about Brady Shea as well, or more specifically paying him the money that they were paying him. Now, when Jacob Truba was signed, uh, Lindgren had played a grand total of just five career games with the Rangers. So clearly Ryan Lindgren, another guy, was thought to just be the throw-in in the uh, Nash trade, and they didn't know what they had in Ryan Lindgren either. Mark Stahl was still here. I don't think we need to go into too much detail here. Uh, he was on his last legs with this team. Brennan Smith was still here, another overpaid defenseman, a third-pair guy at best, and someone who was not really going to be part of the rebuild. They were kind of just waiting until they could uh, basically move on from Brennan Smith. I mean, he played out his contract. He did okay at times, but they were paying way too much money to Brennan Smith. And then Libor Hayek was here, and I'll be the first one to say I think Hayek gets a little bit too much hate, but 
he hasn't shown that he can be anything more than, you know, average at best at the NHL level. So all this is a way of saying Jacob Truba was far and away expected to be the best Ranger defenseman in his first season here and well beyond. And part of the reason for that is that the rest of the Ranger defensemen were either completely unproven, you know, guys like Fox, Lindgren, Hayek, or they were on their last legs with a team, guys like Stahl, Smith, and as it turned out, Brady Shea as well. So you look at what the Ranger defensemen looked like back then, the entire group, the entire room of defensemen, and you compare it to current day, and there is no comparison. You've got Adam Fox, who once again, uh, a Vesna winner two seasons ago, and then last year finished fifth in the Vesna, one of the truly elite defensemen in this league. Uh, there's not enough good things you can say about Adam Fox. Ryan Lindgren has come in and basically played a Jacob Truba style of game. The only difference is he's doing it for $3 million per season, whereas Jacob Truba is doing it for $8 million per season. Lindgren has been an absolute steal. He was, uh, again, acquired as part of the Nash trade and uh, become a bona fide staple of this New York Ranger team, somebody that's kind of the heart and the soul of this team as well. You've got Keandre Miller. Keandre Miller is already a superstar. I'm saying it in present tense. There's no more talk about upside on here or potential or anything else. Keandre Miller is the man. He is going to be an absolutely phenomenal player in this league. Mark my words. So three big-time defensemen. And then Braden Schneider, you could throw him in there as well. Uh, he, you know, for a rookie last season, I thought played very well. Hit himself very nicely in the playoffs. Has, you know, two-way defenseman ability. Throws his weight around. Good, strong, young defenseman for the Rangers to build around. And then you come to the group of prospects. Zach Jones, Nils Lundqvist, Matthew Robertson, Hunter Skinner, the newly acquired Ty Emerson. The list just goes on and on and on. And a lot of these guys are pretty much NHL ready, at least if you go by you know what people are saying about them. Jones and Lundqvist, of course, have already made their NHL debuts. Maybe we see Matthew Robertson or Hunter Skinner get a chance this season as well. So we're basically now at the point where... Once again, three years ago, Truba's brought in. It's looking like he's going to be the guy, the guy to lead uh, the Ranger defenseman and the best defenseman on the team. We're at the point with Truba just three years later. I think you can honestly make the point where Jacob Truba at this point is now only the fourth best defenseman on the Rangers. I would put Fox, Lindgren, and Miller all ahead of him. I'm not going to say that that's an undeniable, undisputable fact, but I think you can make that case that there are three guys that have actually eclipsed Jacob Truba since he's gotten here to the Rangers. And I think I personally would make that case. I would put the other three uh, ahead of Jacob Truba right now. And again, there's a lot of young prospects coming along, guys that are going to be playing on ELCs or even still are playing on ELCs like Miller and Schneider, who, you know, maybe in the case of Schneider and maybe in the case of some of these other guys, you know, Jones or Lundqvist or whoever it might be, they're not at Jacob Truba's level yet, but they have tremendous upside and they're making 925k a year where Jacob Truba is making $8 million a year. So the Rangers, in a nutshell, have basically gotten to a point where Jacob Truba, and I'm not trying to kill Truba because I like Truba. And you know what? You might hear all this and say, well, who cares if the Ranger defensemen have, you know, gotten better around Truba? Let's have that luxury. Let's have a lot of excellent defensemen on this team. It's a fine point to make, you know? But I do think that with the emergence of so many other uh, young Ranger defensemen and with so many players that have a chance to really take that next step and really become big-time players for this Ranger team, Jacob Truba is not nearly as important to the Rangers now as he was three years ago. And again, I cannot emphasize enough, none of this is meant to be an attack on Jacob Truba. I know there's some fans, as I mentioned, still upset with him for how he played in the playoffs. I definitely get that. But the question needs to be proposed. If it was not for Jacob Truba having the full no-move clause, would the Rangers have traded him at the start of this offseason? And would they have been able to make themselves a better team by doing so? I would say yes to both of those questions because if you move Truba for, say, you know, a draft pick, 
I mean, you're going you're gonna to get a pretty high draft pick for Jacob Truba. I would think second round at worst. I think probably maybe even a first rounder. Probably a first rounder for Jacob Truba. And then on top of that, you've cleared $8 million in cap space, and you can go out and get one of those free agents that I was talking about a little bit earlier in the episode. And yes, it would hurt your defenseman group, but it seems like there's guys ready to step into that role. It doesn't come without risk, but to move Truba and his $8 million and bring in a superstar forward and then roll with the defenseman, the established defenseman that you already have, plus a couple of young up-and-comers, I think that's a move, you know, it's a series of moves that makes the Rangers a little bit better. And by all accounts, once again, Jacob Truba, great leader in the locker room, uh, has had a positive influence on Keandre Miller. That's been a really fun pairing for the Rangers these last few years between Truba and Miller. But again, we're looking at a situation where it is going to become more and more difficult to manage the salary cap. I don't want to see the Rangers have to trade somebody like Ryan Lindgren, who's only making $3 million a season just to open up a little bit of cap space. I don't want to see the Rangers be unable to afford to eventually sign Keandre Miller to a long-term extension because you guys know how I feel about him. I think the sky is the absolute limit for Keandre Miller. So I do think a trade of Truba is something that the Rangers would have explored this offseason if not for the no-move clause. And once the clause becomes modified two off-seasons from now and Truba's in a spot where he can only block a trade to 15 teams, I think it's entirely possible that uh, the Rangers will indeed at that time trade Jacob Truba. And not because they don't like him or don't think he could play hockey, but to open up that cap space to do a couple of other things, to open up a little bit of flexibility for this team. And hopefully by then... You know, Fox, Lindgren, Miller, they're all superstars. They're all continuing their ascent. Hopefully, Braden Schneider is a star by then. And hopefully, some of the prospects, again, Jones, Lundqvist, Robertson, Skinner, Emerson, whoever it might be, hopefully, one or more of those guys is working out nicely. And at that point, Chuba becomes even just a little bit more expendable for the Rangers. And I do think at that point, uh, at the very latest, two off-seasons from now, you're probably going to see Jacob Chuba get traded. And I don't say that lightly because there's no guarantee he could be the Ranger captain by then. And they might still love him in the locker room, and he might be here to stay. That's entirely possible. But I also think it's possible that the Rangers will say, okay, we need some cap space. Who that's making a good amount of money is the most expendable? And I do think at that point the answer will be Jacob Truba. And as I mentioned in the intro today, we're going to wrap up today's episode by putting the draft spotlight at Mr. Bryce McConnell-Barker. He went number 97 overall to the New York Rangers in this year's draft, and we will do that in just a second. All right, we're going to go ahead and turn our attention to Draft Spotlight. And once again, this is an off-season series where we, uh, one by one, take a look at all six members of the Rangers draft class of 2022. We already covered Adam Sakura. We did that back in episode 635. Uh, you can head there to get my thoughts on Sakura. Uh, today, however, we turn our focus once again to the Rangers' second pick of the draft. That was 18-year-old Bryce McConnell Barker, whom the Rangers selected with the final pick of the third round. McConnell Barker went number 97 overall. And I should point out real quick before we uh, talk about McConnell Barker, this was the selection that uh, would not have been possible without the trade of Alex Georgiev. The Rangers dealt Georgie to the Avalanche in exchange for two third rounders and a fifth rounder. And this is one of those thirds, which originally belonged to the Colorado Avalanche. So Turn our attention once again to McConnell Barker, six foot one, 187 pounds, lefty shot. Almost everyone had him ranked better than number 97, which is where the Rangers got him. You know, you look at Bob McKenzie, he had him at number 43. Uh, Dollar Prospects had him at number 58. Matthew Zator had him at number 50. 
Peter Baraccini had him at number 44. Andrew Forbes had him at number 53. These are just a couple of examples, but the general consensus is that, uh, at least going by these rankings, Bryce McConnell-Barker will be gone long before number 97. And it's interesting because I actually spotlighted McConnell-Barker during the lead up to the draft. I thought he would be gone too. Every year, you know, I really try to focus in on the Rangers' first selection and throw out a few names as far as who they could take, who might be a good fit. And this year, you know, that would have been the second round pick that they used to take Sakura. But I threw out McConnell Barker's name. And as it turned out, hey, he was still available in the third round. So he slipped just a bit down the rankings, down the board. And the Rangers might have gotten a steal here. Uh, for starters, you know, I like the fact that the Rangers drafted a center after taking Sakura, a left winger, with their first pick. To me, the Rangers right now are thinnest at center and right wing. And I know. Some people don't think you should draft from a positional need, and I get that. I definitely understand that viewpoint. You just take the best player available. But when you look at the Rangers right now, they just look so much deeper at defenseman and left wing than they do at center or at right wing. And I think for those reasons, there's enough of a difference there where drafting based on positional need isn't always a bad idea. Uh, on top of that, you can never have too many centers. They're always in high demand around this league. Chris Drury tends to play things pretty close to the vest, but he has talked pretty openly about the need for drafting strong centers, and the Rangers seem like they got a good one here. You know, McConnell Barker played in the OHL last season with the Sioux Greyhounds, and he actually missed a year of hockey due to the OHL canceling its 2020-2021 season. Uh, that was going to be his first season in the OHL. Instead, he ends up making his debut this past year, skates in 68 games, 23 goals, 26 assists for 49 points. He was also a plus one. And then in the playoffs, played in 10 games, scored one goal, picked up four assists, and was also a minus one. And then his Greyhounds actually lost in the second round of the playoffs to Brandon Offman's Flint Firebirds in five games. But uh, he apparently did a lot of this while playing on the third line, all these impressive offensive numbers. He was not in a top six role uh, for the Greyhounds. The Greyhounds have a couple of other guys that have been drafted. They're playing ahead of him uh, on the Greyhounds. And so uh, top six minutes were limited uh, for McConnell Barker, at least for parts of the season. But he's got a reputation as just a good all-around two-way center, a strong work ethic, uh, very, very competitive, solid speed, uh, good shot. High hockey IQ, that's always nice. Doesn't make a lot of mistakes. Uh, good on the back check. Good defensive center as well. Takes away passing lanes very nicely as well. As far as a knock on him, apparently a little bit inconsistent, especially when it comes to offense. But he is considered to have a very high ceiling. And when you can get somebody with a very high ceiling with the final pick of the third round... That sounds pretty good to me. I really like this pick for the New York Rangers. I think eventually, sooner or later, we will see McConnell Barker. Probably not this season, but sooner or later, we will see McConnell Barker uh, skating in some games with the New York Rangers. And I'll leave you guys with a couple of prospects because these are the guys that do this for a living and watch these players very, very closely. Uh, this one comes to us from Elite Prospects. The centerman's supporting game is his biggest asset. He's the link between all of his teammates' plays, a predictable and timely ally on the ice, offensively and defensively. He understands the shutdown game, the necessity to balance pressure and effort with sound positioning, to remove options from the opposition, and limit the time spent running around the defensive zone. Then we have one uh, from Joseph Along of FC Hockey. Joseph doesn't seem to be the biggest fan, uh, but I figure we can... Uh, also mix in a negative review here just to get the uh, the counter viewpoint, so to speak. So this is what he had to say. While his physicality and battle level aren't areas of concern, like some other similarly ranked OHL prospects, his inconsistent production and a lack of creativity in his offensive zone approach to get more looks in high danger areas may limit his ultimate NHL upside as a two-way center. 
And then we'll end on a positive one here. This one uh, comes to us from the Sioux Greyhounds themselves, the OHL Priority Selection Guide. Bryce is a tall and lengthy center that has a presence each and every time he is on the ice. He is a good skater with good overall quickness. He has good offensive skills and instincts that he used to generate a lot of his team's offense this past season. He is always moving and putting pressure on the puck and is a tireless worker both with and without the puck. He has all the attributes to be a very good player moving forward. And yeah, I figure we could pretty much call it there for today. Uh, the other bit of news that I have to make mention of here is that uh, beginning this week, Locked On, all the NHL podcasts are going to be moving from five days a week to three days a week. I should also mention this is only temporary. My understanding is that this will continue for about seven weeks. Locked On does this with all of its sports. Once it gets into, uh, you know, deep into the off season, they will knock it down to three episodes per week for, you know, every single sport. And uh, we're entering that time period with the NHL right now. So it's just going to be three episodes per week. But don't think for a second we're slowing down on here. There's still a ton of things that I want to get to and talk about before this next season starts. And there might even be some weeks where we do more than three episodes. I definitely don't rule that out. So we'll see how it goes, but definitely stick with Locked On New York Rangers. There might be a couple less episodes per week, but we're still going to be going pedal to the metal here and uh, getting everybody ready and excited for this upcoming season. Uh, but that will do it for today, guys. Once again, if you'd like to get in touch with this podcast, please send an email to LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Once again, that is LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. And definitely give us a follow on Twitter as well at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Once again, that is at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. And definitely make sure you subscribe to the Locked On New York Rangers YouTube channel. There are some things on there that are YouTube exclusive. Thanks again, guys. I'll see you next time. Thanks for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. In our next episode, we're going to be talking with Mr. Jack Bushman of Locked On Chicago Blackhawks. I believe this will be our first crossover with Jack. We're going to discuss Patrick Kane trade rumors, as well as uh, get to know Ryan Carpenter a little bit better. Ryan Carpenter, of course, signed by the Rangers in free agency, and he spent parts of all the last three seasons with the Chicago Blackhawks, so nobody better than Jack Bushman to bring in here. Help us get to know Ryan Carpenter a little bit better. Now make your second listen, Locked On NHL. Locked On experts give you a daily 30-minute podcast on all things NHL all year long. Stay up to date on everything in the hockey world. Locked On NHL, your daily 30-minute NHL podcast.